Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So, Alec Campbell, how have the broadcasts been going? They've been fine. We started off a little bit rocky. The first couple of broadcasts were tough, as they typically are. Plus, we're also in a little bit different scenario because we're stream only. You know, we're we're kind of fish out of water the way that we're getting this done. <laughs> uh, but we're building a game, as they nice. say. So it, well, it was it was fine there in the third broadcast. In fact, I don't think we had any flubs in the third broadcast, really? which was good. The uh, Rod Brindamore termed the th- game three performance disgusting. I trust he was not talking about the broadcast. No. I kind of thought that they actually got better as the game went along. I didn't like the first period at all right. in that third game. But I did think they tightened up a little bit better in the second period and the third period. Obviously, they came back and scored two goals and made it a game late. But, um, you know, these things are these things are hard to judge just because you have a bunch of weird pairings. You've mm-hmm. got a bunch of weird line combinations, you know, weird power play, special teams situations. So, look, again... If Rod th- says it was disgusting, then I'll defer to him. Yeah, I always defer to Rod. I mean, he seems to know more than uh, more than anybody else. Uh, but I'm glad you're getting comfortable. Mm-hmm. We need to remind people that Wednesday's game is an eight o'clock start, seven thirty Stormwatch. Yes, uh, because it's in Nashville, and that Nashville is uh, inconveniently located in Central Time. Right. And then Friday we're seven thirty. And if anybody would like to uh, reprimand me, I need one more person to reprimand me for the. Uh, for the alert that went out on uh, Saturday morning. So if, if anybody wants to do that, just send it to my mentions. What alert? What did I miss? The the alert for the game time. Oh, that was a 7 a.m. alert oh, that, uh, was- <laughs> that I had set up on Friday because I've, <laughs> I've been asked to send these alerts out. Did not realize that the, the program that was you. we use to do such <laughs> things operated military time. Oh, okay. Now, I also should have noticed that there was no AM or PM function. Gotcha. Anyway, I take full responsibility, okay? I know. <laughs> I saw the alert when I woke up. I get it. <laughs> so yes, the game on uh, the game on Wednesday is an eight o'clock start because remember, Nashville is in central time. Uh I appreciate uh, you bringing us all behind the curtain there. Uh I was wondering as I saw that also Saturday morning and I'm like, hmm uh, not now. The game will not start now. Thankfully, I was in no condition. Um, not not that I was hungover. I was sleep deprived. Mm. Uh, again, you know uh, my son Jack. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of kids sleeping, uh, camping out in our backyard. Nice. And yeah, it was beautiful. So uh, they were up until I pulled them off the trampoline at twelve thirty, and I didn't go to sleep until I knew that they were secure in the tent. Uh, and then uh, I was woken to sounds of uh, 11-year-olds jumping on a trampoline again at about 6.30. So I, I woke up and I went, no, 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 they're not playing now. I'm in no condition to watch a hockey game, uh, nor are they in condition uh, to play. One quick thing before we start with uh, Corey Lavalette of, the, uh, of North State Journal and Sarah Sivian of The Athletic. And then later on, we'll have a conversation with Jordan Stahl. Um, just, I mean, what's your, what do you make of 
Gautier versus Natchez, and who's going to claim that last spot on the blue line? I mean, I think it's pretty clear through three games so far that Gautier has been the more dominant player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just stood out more. Um, he's been physical. I think that Nate, for whatever reason, Nate. I thought Natchez actually got better in the third game. I think he was all right in the third period, but. It's been Gautier's camp. I mean, he's been yeah. the, the story of camp so far. I do find it interesting the similarities between those two guys if Natchez ends up getting himself sent back to Charlotte because here's Gautier who's been sent back twice now, mm-hmm. and it wasn't fun for him to do. And now look at him now. So sometimes you draft these players where you draft them very, very high, and it doesn't work out for them for a couple years, and they come back and they have camps like the one that Gautier is having right now, maybe that's maybe that's the course for mm-hmm. Martin Natchez. If it is, I'd, I kind of would rather it be that way than shoehorn him in the lineup now. Um, so I think, it's been, I think it's been very interesting. I think we all kind of just penciled in Natchez we did. this year. I mean – his face was on the arena last year. All year. They didn't take it off. So, was this, I think his face might have been on some media credentials, too. Uh, I, I don't know. My, mine still has Sebastian on. Mine had it, too. Svechnikov was on on a few of them. But anyway, we all kind of penciled Natchez in. And it, that's what – every year there is a story like this. There is mm-hmm. something that happens through camp where, you know, you have one view of a player that doesn't work out. And you may not have the same view of another player, and somehow he steps up. So that's been the case. Gautier's been the only player so far that's played in all three games. And that's a testament to what he's done through camp. And I, I expect he'll play again on Wednesday. Thank you very much for helping me start this uh, this extravaganza. No problem. Uh, we've got Corey Lavalette from The Athletic and Sarah Sivian. Mm. I'm sorry, got it wrong. Corey Lavalette from North State Journal and Sarah Sivian from The Athletic. Uh, who did a card trick with uh, Andrei Svechnikov. Both of them have already made appearances on the Stormwatch. I know. I I like them both. I was corralling everybody. uh, So they will join us in a second. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. All right, let's play. Corey Lavalette, North State Journal, Sarah Sivian, The Athletic, uh, both pay sites. By the way, so uh, people are not paying for this, uh, which perfect because I'm worth that. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, first of all, um, I want to start with you did a uh, did a magic trick with Andrei Svechnikov. When can we expect to see that in the Athletic? In a few hours, I'm going to get that one up quick. Just a video, so no need to write a thousand words about it. Was it was it a success? Um, you're gonna have to wait and see. <laughs> I plead the fifth. I don't have the heart. It was it was entertaining just yes. to just yes. to watch Svetch go through the whole thing. All right, let's. I want to. Basically, this is about the roster for me. Um, we have three preseason games left. The first preseason game was great. Rob Brindamore loved it. The next one was not as good. And then, did I hear the word disgusting used yes, to deter? Right. I mean, it was just it was not great. So let's let's start with the forward group. Do you see? I'm going to start recording. Do you see any other spot available than one that's going to go probably to a rookie, whether it's Natchez or Julian Gauthier? 
That's probably what it comes down to, I think. But looking at the way things have been with Natchez playing so much on the power play and them needing somebody who's right-handed to play on the power play, I don't know that Gauthier's ready to do that yet, makes me think Natchez has a spot. Uh, but it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to come down to these last few games. Like, certainly either guy can go to the AHL without waivers. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, these last couple get playoff game, or, uh, preseason games are going to make the difference. And Gauthier has played in all three, and Rod Brindamore called him the best player that they've had. And he wasn't talking about in that game. He was talking about in training camp. Uh, doesn't that – that has to go somewhere. Especially with somebody like Rod Brindamore, I think it goes somewhere. Um, just he's, he's noticeable on every shift, and he – like the urgency that he talks about it about too. Like he says, I can't take a shift off. I can't mm-hmm. take a day off. And he's happy to have all these games and – it's just he's shown the most urgency out of anyone, and of course that matters. It's like Warren Fogel last season. Um, I, Of course I need a right shot on the power play, and it's something Brindamore has brought up a lot, and it's a, it's a severe problem here. But um, Gautier is winning the spot for me. I mean, there's a guy in carpool somewhere in Cary that is also a right shot, but I think <laughs> they, uh, the ship might have sailed on him. The salary, I mean, theoretically they could keep two. They could keep both Natchez and Gautier. Uh, how do you, I mean, you, you, Corey, you're as good about the salary cap as anybody I know here. So how do they, how do they navigate this if they wanted to keep both? Because they could. I mean, you can, you're, you're allowed to carry an extra forward. So yeah. how would they navigate this? Well, the good news is both those guys aren't going to cost a lot against the salary cap. You know, what Natchez will make, he'll make in or what either guy will make, they'll make him bonuses, which will mm-hmm. go into next year's cap. So it's not really that big of a deal. The, the, the big thing to me is what happens with the goaltending situation because there's a lot of money tied up there. Mm-hmm. Not insane amount of money, but for what we're talking about, you got two guys making you know more than $3 million. Uh, and then what happens with defense? Um, you know, How many guys are you going to carry there? Justin Falk is obviously the big moving part in all of that so that's a big part of it and Trevor Van Riemsdyk will probably end up it looks like on long-term injury to start so that's going to save him some money I don't think that that's as much of a concern as everyone is making it out to be it'd be one thing if you had to keep a guy who was you know making four million dollars but with with all these guys that are at the bottom of the roster that are all basically minimum NHL salary guys it's I don't think it's that big of a deal I think they'll be okay on the cap so if Van Riemsdyk misses let's just say the first month of the season and he hasn't skated with the group yet so uh it's fair to think that he's going to miss at least the you know the first couple of weeks uh that that number gets set aside and so you can carry some extra forwards so they could keep both and maybe I mean they they do have some guys with some bumps and bruises is that what you're saying right so that i mean you can carry extra and then he's our expert sarah (laughs) i know you can carry extra and then you know it buys you more time to kind of take the backlog and figure out who's moving out who's moving in kind of thing and you know again justin falk is the piece that everyone's talking about and all that and we'll see where where that goes but they don't have to sell them off right now they don't have to sell Mm -hmm. low but i can't imagine them Two months into the um, season with this many defensemen still, I think they're either going to be one that's NHL ready in the AHL that they can trade for more help up front or it's Falk on the move. But it's just those rumors happen so much and they just fall through so many times that I have a hard time believing it's actually going to happen. Well, that's the thing. The problem when you have a guy who has veto power over certain trades, I mean, they had the deal in place apparently with Anaheim. 
but Falk wouldn't agree to an extension there. I mean, part of that, look, there could be something somewhat personal there with the owner because uh, Tom Dundon has not. Um, it, it happened last year um, with Elias Lindholm. He didn't agree to the contract that they wanted to give him, and they went, all right, you're out of here. Um, I don't think they got that far with Noah Hannafin, but they did get that far with Elias Lindholm. At least that's my understanding. They got that far with right. Hannafin, too. Oh, did they? So, yeah. I mean, basically, and look, I think the trade was good. I think it was a good trade for Carroll. I mean, if you're not going to do what he wants, he's going to find a different place for you, but Falk has that veto power. Um, I don't know. I, I think it, the, the broader question is, are they better without 27 than they are with him? Uh, so what do you what do you make of that, Sarah? Um, no, no. And I think in playing in a contract year, he's going to have an awesome year. And I think he showed he used his size and his um, body in the playoffs more than I'd seen out of him probably mm-hmm. ever. And um, I think it reinvigorated him. But at the same time, he's in a contract year and he's going to go for something that the Canes probably won't want to pay, especially with all the defensemen that they do have. So I think they'd, in a perfect world, he gets traded for some help up front while somebody that um, could be NHL ready is on a, um, like they keep doing that with college defensemen, like signing them to really good deals, but the first few seasons that they have, they don't, they aren't that much against the cap. Right. And it's like, that's probably what they're hoping for, right? Um, to get back to what you said about the Lindholm and Hannafin thing, yes, they're They've been tough in negotiations. They were tough in the Jordan Martinuk negotiations. They were tough in the Brock McGinn negotiations. All those things weren't particularly pleasant, I don't think. Um, That said, you look at some of the deals other teams are giving out, and you look at deals like the Tara Vinan deal, and you're like, wow, by by being tough, they've put themselves in a really good situation. Now, they're up against the cap, so to speak, now, but it's kind of wishy-washy when you consider the Marlowe deal is part of that and the carrying yeah. carrying his money and all that. So it's not like they've put themselves in a bad situation like some other teams have. Like Toronto's in a bad situation now. The Hurricanes aren't in a bad cap situation. So to your point, yes, they're not as good without Justin Falk. They'll need to figure out who plays on the second penalty kill unit. Uh, whether it's one of the two, you know, whether it's Clayson, if he gets a chance to play, whether Fleury can fill in those spots. Dougie Hamilton did a little bit. I, I don't know that that's part of his M.O. <laughs> necessarily. Uh, yeah. Um, so they'll have to figure that out. But the good news is you're not giving up like a PK1 guy. You're not giving up Slavin or Pesci, who are guys that – and maybe you, you split them up and they handle a load on either side and either unit. Uh, but I, I think it's, you know – not better without him, but you're going to have to do something rather than lose him for nothing. And then if you do decide to keep him, it's, you know, embarrassment of riches, like like with Furland. Yeah, I, personally, 141 penalty kill minutes last year for Falk. That's a significant number that is difficult to replace. If you had Trevor Van Riemsdyk healthy now, it'd be easier because he was part of that unit as well. But Gardner doesn't kill penalties. Hamilton doesn't. I know he did in Washington, but, I mean, they didn't have a lot of options. This is what I've been told. Not about the move, but about what they lose if you move Falk. Because it's not just the minutes in, on the PK. It's not just the potential on the power play, which obviously wasn't there last year, but we know what he's like. We, we know what the shot is, although not always very accurate. He's be- much better with a wrist shot. I know. Just, I, right? I wonder if that's a deployment issue or it's like that's what he just has been told to do, but I 
There was like two games there in Florida where he worked his wrist and it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, just keep doing that. Let's move on to the blue line and the void that Trevor Van Riemsdyk uh, leaves, right? Yeah. It's the same. TVR Terra Von. Um, there are five guys vying for that spot. I've always assumed it was going to be opposite Jake Gardner. Practice today, it almost looked like it was via, uh, was vying for a spot opposite Justin Falk, which we can have a debate about that another time. Um, but nobody's really stepped forward and looked good enough in preseason to say, that's the guy. My, my understanding not my understanding. My guess is that I give Hayden Fleury the nod only because of familiarity. I know, I mean, he's a great kid. They've done, he's done everything they've asked, but right now that's how I would handicap it. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And I think it's just his time to either do it or not. Like I feel they give him like two minutes time on ice every game and it's time to just <laughs> give him a little more and see, can he or can he not? I don't know, but try it early in the season. And if it fails, there's like 12 other people that could do it or could try yeah, um, you know, obviously, I, I think Clayson is a perfect number seven guy because you don't worry about stunting his development mm-hmm. if you have to send him in the press box. You don't want to do, you know, like with Hayden Fleury, you're, there, there aren't waivers options anymore without, you know, another team having the opportunity to claim him. So he's either got to play or you have to find a home for him somewhere else. It's that yeah. simple. Um, so Clayson, to me, is is a good seven guy. Now the battle is... What do you think there? I, I don't feel like Jake Bean has played particularly well in camp. Right. Uh, brilliant offensive player, just still not there defensively. And to your to our point previously, probably needs somebody who can kill some penalties or something. Right. Uh, Clayson can step in there. I thought I think Forsling's actually looked really really good. That said, again, not a banger type that's gonna mm-hmm. that's it's going to be physical back there like Flurry has the potential to be. So I, I agree with Sarah and I, I think you too that right now it's you got to give Hayden a chance to show, hey, you're a top 10 pick. Let's see what right. you're made of. And I think, Sarah, you, you pointed out that waivers, I mean, f- there's no chance that Flurry clears waivers. I mean, his seventh pick in the draft, no matter how many years ago it was, somebody's going to snap him up. Yeah. And shouldn't most defensemen be able to kill penalties anyway? Like, shouldn't that just be, like, a requirement? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm old school here. But um, I think that should, like, I don't know if that is something that's particularly, like, a coveted hard, it's, a, it's very hard to do, but it's, like, it's not, you don't need a particular skill to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of offensively talented defensemen on this team, and losing to Han hurts so much in that aspect of the penalties. Um, but I, I think Flurry would be fine. I just we got to see it. Right. Spoken like somebody who's never seen Ryan Murphy <laughs> play uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, what? Right, all right. Uh, one thing about a defenseman who's not here right now because he got hurt in the prospect tournament in Chase Prisky. I know you were on Chase Prisky, uh, Sarah, for a long time. To- a long time ago, uh, before the draft. Uh, you had talked about the fact that he's not signing with Washington and that there was interest, mutual interest, between the two sides. How different would things be, do you think, if Prisky had been able to come here to training camp and maybe show some of his ability? Yeah, it really stinks for him because I know that the Canes didn't promise him a spot, and certainly it's a battle, but they promised to give him a a fair look, and they told him that they believe he can be an NHL player, and that's one of the reasons he signed here, and another was because they develop um, college defensemen and they actually give them a chance. And historically, you can see that with Slavin, Pesci, Van Rienstijk, it just, the list goes on. Um, 
I think he would have a real shot. I don't know if he'd actually make the team out of camp, but I think that he's going to be on this team eventually, especially if they end up trading Falk. And they told him that they were going to trade a defenseman and that there was still Falk was still in question, and um, not even after Dahan. And I think um, he his skating concerned me, but then I, from what I saw in the beginning of preseason before he got hurt, he looked fine to me. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, final question on defense before we move on to goaltending for a second. Um, what would you think if they were able to move Hamilton as opposed to Falk and sign? That would come with the uh, the caveat that they could sign Justin Falk. I'm not a fan. Um, I think this is Dougie's year. I think Falk's going to have a good year, but I think um, for the past two seasons, Dougie's been either hurt or takes time to warm up mm-hmm. um, for the first half of the season, but he seems ready to go. He has, like, I hate when people say, oh, he fits in or he doesn't, but I, you can tell he has his group of friends here. And, no, like, no, he, just, no. he seems comfortable and um, just ready to go this season, and I think um, they should give him a chance to be in the first power play unit. I don't get why they don't, but I think he's going to have a good season, and I, I think he fits in here. Yeah, I think I, I would pick Dougie over Falk, and I think that this front office will too based on what mm-hmm. we know about what they look for uh well we don't know what they look for because the analytics stuff is so far over all of our heads that you know even the stuff that's publicly available to me is not totally within my grasp and i know that what eric tolsky is doing is way above that um, yeah the analytics according to eric tolsky if you listen to the podcast the full 60 with craig Custins on the athletic the analytics say that the this team is better than the 016 Mm-hmm. And I'm going to dispute that, but yeah, it depends. I mean, it, it's funny how the team can be better, but it doesn't mean it's going to go that far, you know, because luck is also plays into it and grit and heart and all those things. Well, I saw yeah, that uh, the, the 06 team would destroy this yeah. team. All th- I love this team. The 06 team would bury this team in every possible way. Um, all right. Goaltending. Mrazic's the one. Yeah. But who's been the best goalie so far? Um, I like what I see from Nijelkovic. Um, I think every time, it's like, is he ready? Is he not? But every time I watch him, he does what he's asked to do. Yeah, I mean, I think Ned is ready. The problem is the same problem we had with Hayden Fleury last year, which is we've got a guy here that we can easily send to Charlotte. We have to do some kind of asset management. Can you afford to lose Forsling? Or, and I, I don't think Reimer would get claimed necessarily unless somebody has a big injury. With, with two years left on his deal, it might be tough to for anybody to kind of swallow that. Um, so I think I think Ned's looked great. And, I mean, Rod has said, like, we love him. Mm-hmm. All the guy does is win. And that's true. Well, it's all he's done everywhere he's been, from Plymouth to Flint to to the AHL and then you know he won his one game here so um <laughs> he actually he played great in Vancouver he really did play well yeah yeah and, he, the and way he carried himself after it it was just it seemed like mm-hmm. someone who's confident and who could be ready to play in the NHL not to mention has an NHL team ever had an active streamer who plays Fortnite with kids I mean you can't overlook that best case scenario uh for goaltending for this team this year would be what Sarah um I think Mrazek and Jelkovic, but they play similarly that, like, mm-hmm. well, what's going to happen? Um, Reimer will clear waivers, and then he can come back up. And I think there's a few option Bs, option Cs, option Ds that um, 
I wouldn't necessarily rule good goaltending out. <laughs> I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Reimer's the best fit simply because I think he brings that Curtis McElhinney I've been a backup forever kind of mentality. I'm not looking to... I mean, every, every goalie's looking to steal a number one job, but he's an easygoing guy. I'm not saying Ned's like, you know, setting up tripwires behind <laughs> Peter's stall or anything, but I think that Reimer is a, by all accounts, a really good guy in the room and would slide into that role nicely. And when you have the fact that Nadelkovich can go there, if things don't go right for Reimer, you can... Just like Sarah said, if you if you send Reimer down, you can bring him back up. If if things don't go well for Reimer, then you can do the same thing, flip the script the other way, and you know you can move Ned up and down as much as you want. So. Hands aren't tied, and uh, it just it could be a potential Jordan Bennington situation, right? Where oh things go totally wrong, and then Ned swoops in. Appreciate Corey Lavalette and Sarah Sivian's time. Follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Lav L A V. And follow Sarah on Twitter at Sarah, no H, Sivian, C-I-V-I-A-N. Now to Carolina Hurricanes alternate captain, Jordan Stahl. We actually don't know if that's going to be alternate or just captain as we get closer to the season. Who knows? Uh, But anyway, I caught up with Jordan Stahl after Monday's practice to kind of assess where we are halfway through the preseason uh we're in training camp uh trying to get better and uh that's all we're focusing on obviously um last couple games haven't been uh, maybe our style as much as we'd like and we're still learning from it new guys are learning old guys are trying to get into it and and all that stuff so um the games don't matter the way we play matters and has been good enough so we have to improve on that but um you know it's still obviously a process so we're trying to make sure that we're out of top of our game come game one the, the first game seemed to set a set a standard. Rod was really excited about that. And the, the, I mean, is this just is it natural? Is it a shorter summer? What is? What do you what do you make of it? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's it's exhibition, um, and um, it's just harder to get motivated for those kind yeah, of games. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I've broken my leg in an exhibition before that I regret. So, um, you know, and you know, getting mad in the game and, and investing in it a little maybe too much and finding a way to hurt myself. But um, you know, that's that's the number one thing you obviously don't want to do. And um, and from there, you just want to focus on your own game and the speed that you want to play at. And and, and then as a group, um, getting to know new guys and and making sure everyone understands uh, how we play. And, um, to learn how you play, you got to do it, and you got to do it right. And we haven't done that in the last two, um, but we're we're learning and we're heading in the right direction. What do you look for for the last three? And is it significant in that it's a Wednesday, Friday, Sunday? It kind of looks a lot more like a regular season scenario. Yeah, um, yeah, we're we're looking to play the style that uh, we know how to play, and that's that's with speed, and that's on the forecheck, and that's being tenacious, and. Um, and, and hardworking and, and all those things that we take pride in, and uh, um, that's what we're going to focus on. What have you seen from Julian Gauthier, who's really played well? I think Rod talked about maybe he's been arguably the best player here uh, so far through training camp. Yeah, a guy uh, fighting for a spot, and um, you, know, you can you can tell he's um, he's shown that um, you know he's he should give him more of the opportunity and a look at, and um, he's continued to 
to improve his game throughout this training camp. So, um, you know, you want guys like that fighting for spots and, and pushing guys and, and making sure uh, everyone's at that level. And, um, you know, he's been a guy that uh, um, has been putting up a, a great training camp and putting himself in a good position. What have you seen different from him? He's, this is not his first training camp, obviously, uh, but how he's grown over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think, uh, um, you know, his power has always been there. Obviously, he's a big kid and strong, but he's, he's got more speed. He's, he's, gotten, he's gotten quicker off the mark. And, um, and then uh, getting up and down the ice, uh, you can tell it, it's, uh, it's, it's easy for him um, in the game itself. Uh, um, just being up to speed with uh, the way the puck moves and, and Everything uh, that I've seen, um, you know, he's he's looked really well, really well. There's coming off of last year. I mean, that's a high bar that you guys set, and you have a lot of players in here that were part of that, but maybe haven't been through. This is what happens when you establish the standard, and how you achieve that standard again. Is that difficult for maybe a young player to realize? Um. I, I mean, confuse, no. I, the question confused. No, right. uh, I, I think I mean an exhibition pace is is not an NHL hockey pace or in general, um, you know. And, and an 82 game season is not playoff pace. So like, there's a bar that uh, um, I think as a group uh, we need to get to in terms of playing smart and playing without the puck and, and doing all those things defensively well and. And then, and just getting that work ethic up is kind of the bar that we want to set. And then, uh, you know, all the rest uh, will fall into place. All right, final thing. And I know he's not here, but what has this team, if anything, missed without Williams, Justin here? So far, um, like I said before, obviously a a big hole in in the room uh, in regards to um, just his play on the ice. Uh, He's a great player and... um, and obviously, just a, a great vocal leader, and um, you know, obviously, we're, we're going to miss him no matter what. So, um, but uh, so far, I think a lot of guys have done a great job of making sure um, you know, guys are um, learning from each other and moving as a group in the right direction, and, and doing all the things we have to do to make sure we're prepared for Game One. Thanks to Jordan Stahl who joined us on this edition of the Canes Corner Podcast. Thanks to Corey Lavalette. From North State Journal, thanks to Sarah Sivian from The Athletic. Uh, I am Adam Gold. We have uh, three preseason games still to come. Wednesday, 8 o'clock p.m., 7.30 Stormwatch from Nashville. That game will be a TV game as well, so you can uh, get John on t- John and Trip on TV and get the entire broadcast on the radio on 99.9 The Fan. Uh, all, actually, that'll be on the fan stream And then Friday here at PNC Arena against the Nashville Predators again, 7.30 start. And then Sunday's Kaniac Carnival with a 1 o'clock storm watch, 1.30 puck drop with the Washington Capitals in town. We will talk to you next week on the next edition of the Canes Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.
Tim Donnelly here for DraftKings. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of NASCAR, and it is now live in North Carolina. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime, anywhere, right here in North Carolina with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with promo code 999 and bet $5 will receive $250 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more, with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, using code 999 and bet $5 to get $250 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code 999. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 8-777-185-543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook slash NC. NASCAR is not a sponsor of this promotion and used under license.